Coming up in this episode. The, the candidate stood there on the stage during one of the later debates and, and simply refused to agree that the Russians had done the hacking into the DNC emails and had used the information to affect the American political process. He just said nobody knows in the face of a high confidence judgment from the American intelligence community that they did know that the Russians did it. Oh, look, JJ, I've got enough history in this. I know that the IC, the intelligence community, can get it wrong. But you don't get to throw away their judgments without some sort of contrarian facts. You don't get to throw away their judgments just because they're inconvenient. That's former CIA director Mike Hayden. That candidate that he was talking about is now President-elect Donald Trump. And on this program, we'll talk to Hayden about the road ahead for Trump and the intelligence community. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Target USA is brought to you by TrueCar. Pricing information is great and necessary, but there's more to buying a car than just price. There's the actual buying experience, and to enjoy a better one, you have to go to a True Car certified dealer. They're there to help you find the car you want, and they are what make True Car unique. With True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing so you can lock in guaranteed savings off MSRP and enjoy a better buying experience. True Car users save an average of $3,279 off MSRP. And True Car customers are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with True Car certified dealers. More than 2 million cars have been sold to True Car users by the True Car certified dealer network. There are more than 11,000 True Car certified dealers nationwide. And you can work directly with a True Car certified dealer contact. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar.com or download the TrueCar app to enjoy a better car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Very graphic situation. San Bernardino. An act of terrorism. Paris. An attack on all of humanity. The Islamic State. I'm back, Obama. They want you to imagine them in the shadows. Hostile nation states. Can inflict mortal damage to the United States. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. On October 19, 2016, during the third and final presidential debate in Las Vegas, Nevada, between candidates Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, a moment occurred that raised some significant concerns in the intelligence community. That moment was punctuated by what seemed to be a shouting match between the two candidates as moderator Chris Wallace tried to control the exchange. But during that process, it was clear candidate Trump had some reservations about the U.S. intelligence community. So I think that this is such an unprecedented uh, situation. We've never had a foreign government trying to interfere in our election. We have 17, 17 intelligence agencies, civilian and military, who have all concluded that these espionage attacks, these cyber attacks come from 
the highest levels of the Kremlin, and they are designed to influence our election. I find that deeply disturbing, Secretary and Clinton, I think it's she time. She has no idea whether it's Russia, China, it, or anybody else. I am else. not quoting myself. No idea. I am quoting Hillary, you 17, have no idea. 17 intelligence. Do you doubt 17 our, our military has and no civilian idea. agencies? Well, yeah, he'd I doubt rather it. believe I doubt it. Vladimir Putin than the military and civilian intelligence professionals who are sworn to protect us. I find that just Se absolutely She doesn't right. like Mr. Putin because Putin Mr. has out. The bitter campaign is now a thing of the past. Candidate Trump is now president-elect Trump. And dealing with the intelligence community is a new fact of life. So on this program, we speak with the former head of the CIA and the former head of the NSA, a former four-star general, Michael Hayden, about what the two can expect. General, we have a new president-elect. First of all, I need to get your thoughts on him as commander-in-chief. Certainly, J.J., you respect the Constitution and the will of the American people, but, but I've said before that if Mr. Trump attempts to govern in any way consistent with the language he's used as a candidate, then I think we all have a right to be very concerned about questions of national security, foreign affairs, and even foreign intelligence. So what are your main concerns about that style of government and the possibilities that could essentially grow out of it. Yeah, JJ, I could I could walk through some hot spots around the world, but I I do have one really important macro concern, and it's simply this: Mr. Mr. Trump campaigned as an angry man, uh, made all sorts of accusations, identified scapegoats, and very frequently none of that which I've just described was fact-based. In fact, in time to time, it was just fundamentally untrue. And now, and now the intelligence guys have got to go brief them. You know, the intelligence guys, the inductive reasoning folks, the world as it is, the truth tellers, have to somehow get into a conversation with this individual who conducted himself that way during the campaign. And frankly, JJ, I'm concerned. Can they impose this realistic, fact-based, inductive view of the world on someone who does not seem to have followed their advice so far. You're talking about the intelligence community personnel that are going to be involved with this president and looking back at some of the things that have taken place during the campaign, that's that's going to be another challenge? Is that what you're thinking? It is. Look, uh, the candidate stood there on the stage during one of the later debates and, and simply refused to agree that the Russians had done the hacking into the DNC emails and had used the information to affect the American political process. He just said nobody knows in the face of a high confidence judgment from the American intelligence community that they did know that the Russians did it. Oh, look, J.J., I've got enough history in this. I know that the IC, the intelligence community, can get it wrong. But you don't get to throw away their judgments without some sort of contrarian facts. You don't get to throw away their judgments just because they're inconvenient. Yeah, he's going going to have to work with these folks. And those intelligence briefings, which have already started, and there are going to be more high-level briefings and more of the real uh, flavor of, of the world are going to start pretty soon. And that's not going to be a simple process, is it? 
Yeah, that's a challenge. Look, JJ, it's always a challenge, all right? I mean, the world looks different from the campaign trail than, than it does when you become the president-elect. My, my line is national security looks different from the Oval Office than it does from a hotel room in Iowa. So, so and, there and is, how, 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 does it, how does it look different? I know you can't talk too much no, about but this, but... It, it, gets, it, suddenly, it suddenly gets real, okay? And, and in the normal course of events, JJ, the reality then begins to impose itself on the self-created image that the candidate may have had during the campaign. He, he now finds that when he becomes the president, he can't shape the world to be convenient to his political ends. The world imposes itself on him. And, and so I'll give you another example. I mean, the president-elect in the last debate said, Russia is fighting ISIS. Bashar al-Assad is fighting ISIS. No, they're not. <laughs> they're not fighting ISIS at all. And in fact, what they're doing may actually preserve ISIS because Russia's propping up the Assad regime, and that's the fuel on which jihadism survives in the Middle East and particularly in Syria. So now you're going to go into that briefing, and you're going to begin to lay out that dynamic, that narrative as you know it to be, flying in the face of his already arrived at a priori judgment. And J.J., look, I mean, I think it's an extreme case here, but it's it's not a rare case. Uh, we, we saw this three or four years ago with the rise of ISIS in the face of al-Qaeda's on the run, the tide of war is receding, and it's time to build nation, do nation building at home, remember? I've known you for a while, and um, I know when your voice starts to rise and you get a bit animated, that's because this is something that uh, is... That this is something that you're truly animated about, that this is something that you are very passionate about, and this appears to be one of those things. So if indeed the president-elect engages in government the same way he engaged in the campaign, then how does this, how does this process, how does this issue get fixed? Okay, so, so two big thoughts here, J.J. The first one is give the man a chance. Let him get the briefings and let's see if it modifies his judgment, if it matures his judgment, if it gives him more nuance than he's been able to achieve uh, on himself uh, just just acting alone. And by the way, I, I bring this up because this, this isn't about getting Syria right or ISIS right or the Ukraine right. This is about a broad process that has to happen to get anything right. And so that's why I brought it up first, JJ. Now, the second big point I'd make to you, and something we all should look to, let's see who the president-elect selects for these key positions. Who is his director of national intelligence nominee, director of CIA nominee, national security advisor nominee? Let's see what kind of history and attitude these people bring to the job. And that may actually be the best barometer we have as to how the president-elect's going to go going to adjust to what are fundamentally very new tasks for him. And speaking of tasks, give us a list of the issues around the world that he's going to have to deal with, that the intelligence community is going to play a key role in those situations. I, I, do, it, I do it a bit on a timeline and a severity line, JJ. Mm -hmm. The stuff yeah. that's in close, um, not existential, but bad stuff, are the kind of run-of-the-mill cyber attack and the threat of terrorism. And that's going to be urgent, and it's going to impose himself on the, itself on the new team. You go out three, five, seven years, you've got another problem that I th actually thinks a bit more serious, a band of states that I call nuclear, ambitious, and fragile, North Korea, Pakistan. I throw Iran and Russia in the group. And then finally, something that was hardly talked about in the campaign at all, 
we've got time, but it's fundamentally pass-fail if we're going to have a successful century or not. And that's the health of the Sino-American relationship. So a president now has got to balance all three of those things, some of which are more important, others of which are more urgent. There are the challenges. Well, it's no secret this president has not officially uh, served in, in, in a national government or any government uh, and doesn't have a whole lot of knowledge, official knowledge, about how foreign policy works and national security works. So how is he going to get educated in time to, be, to become president and uh, begin uh, making decisions on very critical issues? Well, well, mechanically, in addition to getting the president's daily brief starting about now, I suspect, and that's the full-up briefing, J.J., not, not some shortened version, we also need, the intel community would also need to schedule special sessions, deep dives on fill-in-the-blank, Northeast Asia, Pakistan, Afghanistan, ISIS and so on. So the president and his key advisors get the full benefit of what the intel community is thinking. You know, by the way, JJ, those are best when they're interactive. Those are best when when the client pushes back and says, I don't think I see it that way. So it's not, not just accepting their judgments whole cloth, but we do need to have those deeper, deeper conversations. You've indicated pushing back if he disagrees is something that he needs to do. So given his lack of experience, how does he do that? Well, he needs he needs to take the briefings and where he's got honest differences, raise them, and then let the people express why they believe the way they believe. Keep an open mind. Allow your thinking to be changed by new data that's presented to you. You know, J.J., we have over 100,000 people and spend more than $50 billion a year in the American intelligence community. Foreign countries. Numerous leaders from foreign countries have said things during the campaign about this candidate at the time, but now the president-elect. So how do they come now that he's president? How do they engage with him? What do they say? What's the process so, so that it's productive for all? Well, first of all, it is very, very appropriate that they treat the American political process with all the respect that it's due. Same way you and I have to, J.J. The people have spoken. The Constitution, Constitution lays out the rules. Now, I, I do know, and you've reflected it in your question, that on a human basis, a lot of foreign leaders have their concerns because of the way Mr. Trump has spoken and acted uh, on the trail as a candidate. And so they're going to be looking very, very closely to see how he structures and organizes his administration, the team that he brings in. Does he moderate his language in any way now that he has become president? And then finally, after mid-January, they're gonna be taking a look to see what kind of actions does he take? Uh, do they reflect, how to put this, JJ? Do they reflect both the power and the responsibilities of a nation like the United States? 50-plus people who've served in Republican administrations have signed a letter saying they won't serve. Where does he find qualified people, then, to serve at that level? Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't over-parse the letter, J.J. That was a letter that had folks saying they would not support him. They did not think he was qualified to be president, and I suspect all 50 still believe that to be true. But that was about the presidential campaign. Uh, when people are asked to do something by the president-elect, 
that's a severable decision. That's, that's something quite different. And very many of them, JJ, may simply have the same answer. I'm not going to go do this. But there may be others who understand that when a president, any president, calls, they do have a duty to respond. So, so we'll see what of the so-called Republican foreign, uh, foreign policy establishment is willing to participate in, in this new government. Last thing. If he came to you and asked you for your help, what would you say? JJ, I've I spent 40 years in government. I I think I've given just about everything I can I can give in government service. That's former CIA director Michael Hayden on President-elect Donald Trump and the intelligence community mending fences after a bruising campaign. And coming up on our next episode. The gripping story of a daring escape from North Korea. My mother and my sister, three of us, we uh, walked a lot and uh, we crossed the river by swimming. And uh, we also climbed the mountain and uh, like it was a long journey. That journey has brought Grace, Joe and her mother and sister to the U.S. We walk about three days and two nights to get to the Tuman River. But after escaping North Korea the first of three times, their problems were just beginning. The full story on our next episode. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Do you like scary radio dramas? Tune into Fangoria's Dread Time Stories, fully dramatized horror stories hosted by Malcolm McDowell. Irony is only one small ingredient of these Dread Time Stories. Hear a new episode every other week on the Podcast One app, iTunes, and Podcast.